0: Welcome to Whatever Comes Next, the number one podcast for creatives, according to our mums. I'm Elise. And I'm Daddy. And on this week's episode, Truly Hard Seltzer creates a buzz. Adobe acquires Figma. 800 brands will need to update their packaging. Have you e- ever considered that typeface could be gender specific? And a whole lot more as we unpack two weeks worth of water cooler chat. But before we get into that, hey, Gondi. I'm good. What's uh, been happening? Oh, look, I feel like the last. Two weeks has almost been a month. I've been (laughs) sick. The kids have been sick. It hasn't been a great time. Not a fun time. No. So that's sorry for the delay in getting back to you guys. I mean, I feel like we always do this. I either get sick, something (laughs) happens in my family, and the podcast gets put on hold. But we're back. We're back. Better than than ever. Absolutely. (laughs) We're healthy. (laughs) Better than before. Yeah. Um, other than that, I rewatched Emily in Paris for the fourth time. I love that show so much. It is just such a great show. So I could good. watch it. I could watch it again. Yeah, like, me too. I just don't get sick of it. I, I don't know that. why though. I, I like, I really would like another season so that I have something new, but yeah, I could just keep watching season one and two. Absolutely. Like I thought I w- could have done the same with Sabrina, but I just got over Sabrina in the end. Yeah. I don't know that I could go back and like, I, I, I will, sour. I will at one point cause like, the latest season, I've only watched that once. Yeah, so I will go back and rewatch at some point, but not immediately. Yeah, no. See, I'm not. Yeah, do you love a bit of Sabrina? She. It was good. It was great. Um. Other than that, I you're going to hate this. I watched the after sequels. Mm, okay. How many are we up to now? <laughs> Look, I think the fourth one may have just come out, but like you can't watch this only for you to buy. Okay. What's it called? It, oh, they're terrible names. It's like after, after we collided, after ever, uh, happy ever after or ever happy after. Yeah. I feel like the latest one I have seen like promo pick, for. Yeah. And it, I don't remember what it's called, but I remember being like, that's just doesn't, that's not a sentence. Ever happy after. <laughs> Something like that. It's really, it's terrible. Strange order. Yeah. Um, Look, they're terrible, but I watched them more. Okay, look, I won't be watching them. The books were far greater. Let me know. <laughs> I, I think I read a few chapters of the first one, and I just I couldn't. I was like, this is no one even edited this thing. Oh, there yeah, aren't no. even complete sentences. There are spelling <laughs> mistakes throughout the whole thing. I did notice that too, but you know. It's fine. And yet it's like a box or is it a box office success? It must be for them to have done all the movies. Yeah. See, I don't know. Like obviously they would have dropped it if it wasn't pulling ratings or anything. is Is it even at the movies or is it direct to streaming? A couple of them have been at the movies. But not all of them. That's not a good sign. The first one. I don't yeah, know. Okay. I can't remember. Uh, and the second one, actually, because okay. we did go watch the second one and we laughed. Or maybe we all laughed <laughs> at the laughed. first one. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. terrible. Yeah. Look, to be fair, I only watched them because I downloaded Amazon, Amazon Prime because I thought I was going to be able to stream with a crawdad sing, like, yep. buy that and stream that.
1: To that wasn't just, there. So then all these other tragic yeah, ones popped up. I was like,
0: I'm here for this. Fair I'll watch enough. this. Um other than that our dogs had dogs. Our dog had puppies again. So we got four exciting. little puppies running around, They're the cutest little things ever. And my kids are hyped for Christmas. They're ready to get out the Christmas decorations already. It's a little bit early for Is me. Is it? I love Christmas, but I'm a December first kind of girl. Yeah, so my like that's that's the rule. December first the tree goes up, yeah. normally everything comes out. But I don't know, kids make it a little bit more exciting. Oh yeah, I get that for sure. <laughs> yeah maybe leading into the excitement but september we're a bit early i mean we're almost in october not even november like yeah look i'll probably i'll probably aim for end of november or like maybe even like the 25th of october give it two months <laughs> a two-month run <laughs> it just makes our house feel so festive and yeah, good times i love christmas it's a great time um, still, I can't believe we're nearly there again. Oh, I know. It's gone so quickly. What about you? What have you been up to, eh? Um, so I watched Partner Track on Netflix twice. Excellent. <laughs> since, since we last recorded. So good. It I is a great I loved it. I was so into it. And like the like the second watch through, I was like, I noticed, you know, like as you're watching something, you don't really know, pay attention to like timelines and things, but like let's just there's gonna be spoilers so if people don't want (laughs) to hear spoilers just skip ahead a few minutes but um yeah like in it the kind of relationship timeline the the big one I'm trying not to spoil it the 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 first relationship (laughs) that is that goes for two and a half months two and a half months and he's down on that knee like that's a big spoiler (laughs) it was I said it was a spoiler um wow how did you even work that out because at the start of the show on the first episode she says that they're announcing partner in three months and that happens two weeks before partner announcement so two wow. and a half months that's so fast I mean it did feel very yeah it it very felt very fast very pushed on her but like, like uh yeah two months mu- three months two months wow. yeah that's very quick and then do you even know someone in the no <laughs> you absolutely don't <laughs> I probably wouldn't <laughs> even remember your name after two and a half months. I mean, come on, eh? <laughs> okay, maybe that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, apart from that, <laughs> loved it. So good. It, so was, a good it was a great show. I love I, – this is going to be another spoiler, so, again, block your ears, but I love Enemies to Lovers, <laughs> and it's my favourite trope. <laughs> so good. And I reckon they're going to go back to Enemies. Yeah, I think so, too. That ending, mm. like the – Oh, oh, got me in the feels. It got me right in the feels. All right. Yeah. Oh, so excited. But also like the, they did also kind of set it up for like a potential third love interest for her. Yes. And I'm into that love uh, me interest too. too. Big time. Big muscles. <laughs> oh, great face. Great, great face. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so that's, that's part of Shaq. Loving it. 10 out of 10. Good job, Netflix. I need season two. They need to announce that they're doing a season I know. two. I would die if they don't. Really do. I, I hate when they leave everything on cliffhanger because you could be like, you're not getting a season two. Sorry, that's how it's ending. Yeah. Surely we're getting a season yeah, two. Yeah, we must. Um, what else? I So <clears throat> I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was reading Red, White and Royal Blue. Mm-hmm. I powered through, I pushed through and, and I finally was, finished it. And how was it? It was okay. Okay. It took until like maybe the last quarter or the last third to get like to feel like things were happening it just felt like nothing was happening the whole time yeah right and then yeah stuff happened i won't read it again but yeah i'm glad i finished were it you, there's a movie coming out is it a movie it actually yeah. i've seen it somewhere uh yeah i i saw an announcement somewhere i'm not sure if it's um i think the guy actually i did see it because there's a movie at the moment called purple hearts on netflix yeah the fell the main fella in that is going to be one of the fellas in Red, White, and um, Blue, Royal Blue. Not, not the main ones though. I'm sure because I'm I like I remember seeing the announcement picture and I don't know who the blonde man was, but the brunette guy was from what is the the Kissing Booth. He was from Kissing Booth. Oh yeah, and what? I don't think he's well. He might be in Purple Hearts, but I don't think he is. I haven't watched it. I'm not watching it because it's had terrible reviews and. Yeah, Nicholas. So, yeah, it must be the other guy. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, yeah. So the blonde guy is from Purple Hearts? I mean, he's got brown hair here, but he did have blonde hair at one stage, but he still does. (laughs) That's confusing. He's Nicholas. 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 Nick. Yeah, okay. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, Nick is the blonde one. Yeah. Yeah, Nick is the British guy in Red (laughs) (laughs) White. Red White and Royal Bro. (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) Uh... It's not coming up. Okay. Yeah, look, I don't recognise the blonde man. I only know the guy from The Kissing Yeah, birth. right. Yeah, well, he's out of Purple Hearts. I did watch that also. Oh, <laughs> was it any good? I heard it's, like, heaps, like, ter- the the main guy. We're supposed to like the main dude in it, but he's, like, heaps racist and homophobic and stuff. No? Could just be what the internet's told me. I haven't watched it. Uh, I don't know if it's the main guy. One of the guys is. but Okay. Not the main guy then. That's probably for the best. You don't want a protagonist who is all those things. No. Now I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm probably not going to watch it, but. Yeah, look, it wasn't great. I'll leave it there in case I (laughs) one day want to. Uh, What else? I took a little day trip into the city uh, last weekend. Went to, you know how, I don't know what I'm doing with my arms. I'll put those down. (laughs) Good thing this is a podcast. Yeah. the David Jones at the, in the city does mm-hmm. like a floral installation thing. Oh, do they? Yeah. Kind of like their Christmas installation, but floral. Yeah, florals. but also yeah, like right. through the windows and like all throughout the store, they're just like massive floral installations. It was real pretty. was that? Mean? Yeah. My florist friend wanted to go, so I joined her. Are they, they're not fresh? You no, know, yeah, fresh. Oh, are they really? Yeah. I think it goes for a week or two, maybe two weeks. I don't know. A How week they or keep two. keep them alive. Are they changing them? I they guess go? they're really fresh. Maybe they changed. I don't know. Like we went on the last day and a few of the flowers were looking a little bit. Yeah, right. Sad, but most of them were still quite Interesting. good. Interesting. Yeah, it was lovely. It would be lovely. I reckon they would have put on a good display Yeah, too. the theme was like under the sea or something. So Ooh. there were like, some of the flowers like looked like corals. It was very cool.
1: Mm, That's a that. whole art
0: form. I bet. Yeah. It would take hours. Oh yeah, and like. It would cost so much money. Wow. <laughs> Just like entire displays of orchids. It's like, oh, how many thousands of dollars is that? An orchid is like $35 a stem. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Cray cray. Uh, what else? I had a, I went to my nephew's birthday party. He turned one, which is crazy. I don't, I'm not old enough to have a one year old nephew. Mm-mm. No, not a Absolutely okay not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am one <laughs> mentally. <laughs> Um, also, are you a fan of Vera Blue? I am a fan of Vera Blue. I her one of her songs came up on my Spotify. She has a new song called Mermaid Avenue. Have you heard it? I have not. You need to hear it. it beautiful? It's there is there's crack in that song somehow. It's addictive. (laughs) I put it on and I'm like, (laughs) as soon as I get to the end of the song, I'm like, let's start again. (laughs) It's such a good song. Rewind. I don't know why. Like just a bop, isn't it? Just gets me. Just, yeah. The lyrics or the beat? Everything. Oh, interesting. It's, yeah, like it's got a good, it's got some good lyrics. I like the rhyming in it. It's <laughs> <laughs> really hookshot. Yeah. uh, Uh, Yeah. I highly recommend that you listen to it because. I will. I will put it on on my next drive-in. Yeah, don't put it on when you're like working out. It's not that kind of song, but have a little groove to it. Okay. I, I will do that. Thank you for the rec. You're welcome. That's all I've been up to. Very good. So let's kick off our very first segment of our extended water cooler chat. Water cooler chat. One day we'll get an air horn sound. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like we can do it better. It's fine. Absolutely. Our first story, seltzer company, True Hard Seltzer, has taken a different path for their new marketing campaign and used some very interesting fuzzy, buzzy (laughs) little (laughs) bottles. Did you like it? I did. I do that a lot. <laughs> They've used little fruit flies in their marketing materials. Okay, but for those of you who don't know, seltzer is a sparkling water with additives, and True Hard Seltzer's line is it's made with real fruit juice, hence the use of fruit flies. The campaign is a 15-second ad, um, and it also has a print collateral which features fruit flies oozing around the drink and sucking at their nectar. <laughs> oozing, what a word. <laughs> I mean, I feel like buzzing would be better. I should have put buzzing there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, to shine the light, that natural fruit is added with the, into the drinks. Um, so when shooting the campaign, the fruit flies are released into and around the drink and captured under a microscopic lens. This is cool. Mm. But does this deter you from buying the product? This doesn't sell the product to me. Yeah, look, it's like it's not. I get, I get what they're doing, but it's not really, like, the a good image. Like, I don't like the ideas of flies buzzing around my food. No, and especially if this was to come to Australia. Mm. Flies are terrible here. <laughs> yeah. We'd have a drink on a sunny, balmy afternoon. Maybe that's a good point, though. Are flies not as, like prevalent in the u.s or something is this a u.s brand i assume it is but like maybe like because australia is kind of like known for flies in summer hence like cork hats so maybe flies just aren't as super annoying in america maybe but it seems unlikely it just it's just not something that i would use as a marketing Uh tool to drive sales yeah, it's a very interesting tactic. There would have to be some other way you could really say that there's real fruit in there. Yeah. Other than adding flies into your campaign. Yeah. Not into it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a bold choice. Absolutely. Like, it's it's getting people talking. It's getting us talking. So that's a good thing, I suppose. Um, oh, I would just be so annoyed seeing that. But, I, like, it also doesn't necessarily say to me that you've got real fruit in it because, like, I just thinking, like, you could have a really sugary not, not like Mm. artificial kind of drink that, and if it's like sticky and sweet, it's going to attract flies. Absolutely. So Coke attracts flies when it's sitting there for too long. So I I don't really see this as promoting the real fruit. Mm -mm. It's promoting sugar. (laughs) And also like uh, just grossness. (laughs) It's just a little (laughs) bit gross. It's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Should we move on to our next story? We shall. (laughs) So Adobe dropped a bombshell this week. They have uh, acquired Figma for $20 billion. That's so much money. It's sickening. So Figma, uh, for those who don't know, Figma is a web design platform Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the kind of root and ethos of the platform is that it's a desk sorry it's not a desktop app it's a browser app so it's very collaborative it's the whole point is that people can collaborate on work um so figma was founded by dylan field and evan wallace in 2012 they started working on the product while they were studying computer science at brown university bananas that they've just been like they just started this at uni yeah and they've just within 10 years yeah they've made 20 billion dollars and i'm pretty sure uh i read that dylan field dropped out of uni because they got funding i for did Figma, read that too which is just crazy just be a uni dropout why do we do that <laughs> why do we think of that I mean, because we didn't have a a great business idea. I mean, we weren't computer scientists. While I was was in uni, someone else was making Canva. I remember Canva being announced. No way. Um, Wow. So, yeah, we we weren't making the most of that time. No, we definitely wasn't. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the company really pioneered product design on the web. Um, So the idea was that anyone would be able to create... Or be creative in a free, simple uh, tool on on the website on on the internet. Um, so it you it's used by designers to create interactive mobile and web applications to collaborate through multiplayer workflows, a sophisticated design system, and a rich ext- extensible uh, developer ecosystem. So the idea is that like everyone in the des- not in design everyone in the team can collaborate. You can really mm-hmm. involve all of the different teams, product design developers and everyone i kind of feel like this is what xd was based off also (laughs) you you can definitely get some see the inspiration yeah like i know figma has a lot more like um more of the like journey mapping and a lot more of the automation like it's very Mm. easy to settle that that up which xd has been working up towards and is improving on but like the like little things like that you can see the kind of not copycat, but like yeah. where Inspo was stri- well, like driven from. Like before, uh, before XD, Adobe's only real option for website design was Photoshop, which yes. is crazy when you think about it. Like Absolutely. The like Photoshop was just working in like pixels and layers, and that's it. That's all you got. And all the developers were able to do was click on those layers and grab it out. Yes to see measurements and do all that through photoshop (laughs) so it was it's like basically like the stone age compared to what you know xd and that is and so you know for us we were using photoshop then we transitioned to sketch which sketch is a great tool um but that was the only real option at the time or you know one of the options and then xd came along and it you know, it existed in beta and it took a long time for them to make it a tool that an agency could really embrace because you couldn't really, to to begin with, it was even, like you weren't just working in pixels, like it was more of a vector-based app, but at the same time you could get nothing out of it, a developer mm-hmm. could pull nothing out of that. Yeah, And so now developers can get the design, you know, all of that information and assets out of the file. So XD is actually great now Mm -hmm. and it has all the prototyping in it. You can set up a prototype with all different flows to show your client. So it's great, but yeah, it's come so far and it's been really kind of behind the pack, like Mm -hmm. Sketch, Figma, all of those programs were like way ahead. Absolutely. And I guess that's like another reason why Adobe had to really focus on that because, well, not even just that, like they had people moving away from their platform to use these up other applications mm. because theirs was so far behind. Yeah, and for an age from an agency perspective, that was so annoying because that's another subscription you have to pay exactly. for. Exactly. So for them to be able to bring it in house and really finally get it fine tuned, yeah, it's massive, huge. So Adobe and Figma have a pretty similar mission statement, uh, so you can kind of see why Adobe and you know thought that this was a good fit. So. Adobe's mission is to change the world through digital experiences and Figma's mission is to help teams collaborate collaborate visually and make design accessible to all. So they're very altruistic, very trying to bring design to everyone mm-hmm. as long as you have lots of money because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're hella expensive. Actually, I don't know what Figma's subscription fee is. Adobe's is large, although XD, you can get XD on its own. Can you? Yeah, it's about $15 Australian per month. So it's not Yeah, right. That's outrageous. not terrible. It's nothing like the almost $80 that the whole Creative Cloud costs. Mm. Uh, so Adobe's press release stated this. Together, Adobe and Figma will reimagine the future of creativity and productivity, accelerate creativity on the web, advance product design, and inspire global communities of creators, designers, and developers. The combined company will have a massive, fast-growing market opportunity and capabilities to drive significant value for customers, shareholders, and the industry. Um, Interestingly, though, when Adobe made the announcement that it was going to buy Figma on Thursday morning, their stocks dropped by 14%, which was its biggest one day decrease since March 2020, which would be the pandemic
1: kind yeah, of time yep. era. So yep. you
0: can understand why it dipped then. Mm-hmm. Um, so to break that down, a drop of that magnitude would knock off roughly twenty-four billion with a B from Adobe's market value of around 174 billion as of Wednesday's close. So that's more than the value of the deal, which is twenty billion. So $24 is what the value it knocked off. Crazy. Like that's that's a massive amount of money that they've lost. Because I I was very interested. I was like, because Adobe acquiring Figma, I thought the shares would only increase. So I was like, I'm going to buy some Adobe shares because (laughs) I feel like this is beneficial to Adobe. Mm. Absolutely. But then when I seen how much it dropped, I was like, Maybe is right, maybe this isn't gonna go through. Elise also pulled some partner track at me. You you sent me the the like announcement and I was like, but is this gonna be like in partner track when they're buying Suncorp and the merger with Suncorp and Min Industries or whatever they're called? And they have to like after the deal like is signed, they then have to go through all due diligence and everything and and make sure that there's no shady business that's gonna make the deal fall apart. So I don't know if the the deal might still fall apart according (laughs) to Netflix. (laughs) It still, it still could. So I'm very interested to see what happens. I'm interested to see if their stock um, goes up mainly because I bought them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I um, saw that the, this is their third. So since that, I think since 2020, started 2020, they have acquired, this is their third company they've acquired that's worth more than a billion dollars. How? Adobe is just eating up their competition for breakfast. This is, but this is my, my concern, right? Figma is Adobe's biggest competitor. Without question, in the web design space, Figma is their competition. It's not good for competition for you to have just like a monolith that controls everything. Like that means that, the, that Adobe then controls, like that it controls the direction of web design which oh, absolutely! I don't like because Adobe, it does, like you, ca- I don't care how big and diverse Adobe is. You're not going to like it's it's one company. So Ooh. moving towards one vision is not good for creativity. It's not good for the industry. I'm not, I'm not really here for this. Like they have said that uh, Figma is going to be completely autonomous. They're like uh, the founder uh, Dylan Field is going to stay in his position. They, they they're fully autonomous from you know f- full creative control of figma will s- will stay with figma but i don't see like uh, they're not just they're not just going to buy figma and be like well cool carry on guys do whatever like they're still they're going to have a controlling interest in figma they're like it just it's going to discourage creativity and and change and evolution in the industry and i'm not i'm not excited about that Mm-mm. No, I agree. Like uh, Adobe already have such a stranglehold on the design industry. Like there mm-hmm. are there are alternatives to like illustrator and Photoshop and things, but like not really. Like n- none that are, you know, um as widely or you know, as widely used. Mm-hmm. If you like as a designer, you need to know how to use these programs because you if you work for an agency, you're gonna have to use them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a bit it's a if <sighs> It's a mm. bit, it, it, as soon as I read it, I was like, ooh. I, <laughs> I don't that's, know. <laughs> that's a little bit icky. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, ho- I hope it goes well. I hope it goes well, but I just don't fear. Let's we'll see, see what happens. So yeah. we'll report back. Yeah. Um, moving on. And as we're all aware, Her Majesty the Queen's reign has come to an end. And what does that mean for around 800 brands? Let no, me Danny. tell you, what does it mean? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so roughly, so as I mentioned, there's roughly 800 brands that display the royal coat of arms on their packaging, stamps, coins, notes, passports, etc. cetera. That late packaging and labeling has now become void, which means that they're not authorized to be using it. Brands that you would be familiar with that actually are using the um, Royal Coat of Arms at the moment is like Heinz, tomato sauce should be on their white label at the top, Coca-Cola, Cadbury chocolate, Twining's tea, Bolling, Bollinger, Bollinger? I think, Bollinger, yeah, Bollinger. Sh- Sh- champagne, <laughs> Unilever and Johnny Walker to name a few. So first off, what does it mean when the brand does display the Royal Coat of Arms? Basically it's like an indicator that the product is used regularly within the households of the Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh, well, sorry, it was used by the Queen, mm-hmm. the Duke of Edinburgh or the Prince of Wales, i.e. the Queen's preferred water or source and will always show like they'll always have a, like by appointment so mm-hmm. consumers are aware that like it has been selected <laughs> by yep. the royal household. Um, so for any brand to be able to use a Royal Coat of Arms, they have to apply for a Royal a royal warrant, and these weren't easy to come by. So businesses would have to be in business, businesses would have to be in businesses, (laughs) that that, sorry, (laughs) for years with the royal family and be appointed through an application process that can take years to come by. So what does it mean for current royal warrant uh, appointment holders? They actually have to reapply for this to be out for the rights to display the royal crest. And this can take anywhere up to two years. So in the meantime, brands are able to continue to use the crest until a decision is made. But I wonder what brands would be like, are they waiting for that permission or are they like, are they starting to rethink now because like if they're confident they're going to get approved again, then that's fine. But like if they don't and they've kept it going for like two years, Mm. all the unsold products would then become copyright infringements, right? Yeah. So everything would need to be destroyed. Yeah. So the I feel it's a big thing because it's the queen has passed away. So now at the kind of you can expect that a lot of those warrant holders w- might lose their warrant because it's now going to be up to King Charles and his preferences. Yep. But I I was reading. I think that like regardless of a, a monarch dying, like you have to apply for your warrant frequently like it doesn't last very long I can't remember the time frame but I feel like it was like a year or two or something like that like you have to continually reapply so I guess it's not it's probably not something that has you know frequently come up for brands before but now it probably they would have to consider that Um, the other thing is that I was reading that not like you know, like Heinz, they put it very proudly on their on their packaging. Yeah. But a lot of brands don't actually put it on their packaging and maybe that's why, because they don't wanna bother having to if they lose their warrant, then like all of their oh, product packaging is just completely useless. So yeah, but for those for those brands that do have their have it on their packaging and who aren't confident that they're going to keep keep it with the new rain, that's so like enormous like these aren't these aren't small brands like Heinz Mm. the implications for Heinz if they were to lose their royal warrant like that would be millions of dollars worth of massive packaging and like it's not just like if they had to destroy packaging that is no longer usable the cost to like go then recreate new packaging with the new without you know with new labels just astronomical be massive massive huge I just, yeah, I'm really, like, I really wonder what they would do if they would just bite the bullet and remove it now. Yeah. Or, like, and phase it out because, obviously, they'd have so much in production already. Yeah. And just gradually phase it out. But, like, what if you start decide to phase out now and then you find out that you have been appointed, then you would have to go through the process of starting again with the new labels, like, Mm. and then that would take a while to come through, like... With, yeah I wonder what they would do interesting just massive massive and so like so many brands I can't believe so many brands like the just the admin of that like <laughs> keeping track of almost 800 brands who has 800 brands in their that, house yeah that they like that is what I want to oh, know it's a big palace but like yeah but still that, that that they love so much that they would endorse like I have stuff in my house that I wouldn't endorse like Cadbury absolutely you're getting Elisa's. Royal warrant, <laughs> but like how lucky? I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably not going to endorse Colgate, even though I use them. No, I don't. Or like, I'm not. All motion, water bottles. Yeah, I'm not emotionally invested enough to give my royal warrant. It's but very. I, it's a very interesting concept, and I wonder how much they have to pay to be able to get the royal. True. I don't think it wouldn't be free. No, I reckon it would be free. No, you reckon? Yeah, what? I reckon they had to pay to be able no, to use that crest. I reckon it's free. No, disagree. Because <laughs> they're getting permission. I feel like that's all they need. I mean, how else does the royal family make their money? Stealing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, theft. Uh, property. So much property. Okay. They make a sh- I was reading about that their their, their uh, fortune is like it, it's over twenty billion. I'm pretty like it was. Like the separated into like I was reading this was on the, I got an email from the hustle and they <laughs> they broke down their um what their worth was but yeah it's like it's over twenty billion in total and uh even just the que- like the queen's personal portfolio net worth is like oh are okay. kidding almost five hundred million just like so much money yeah, and heaps of their money comes from uh, like their own property that they like rent out and all of that like they've got yeah right it's it's a lot of property and their jewels are worth a shit ton but yeah as i mentioned theft <laughs> <laughs> corruption Yeah. anyway <laughs> but i like i would never have cared about this but now that i know that it exists i'm actually really interested to see what king charles will endorse i also don't like saying king charles i really wish that we had a queen head of state i mean i don't think we need a royal head of state but like i don't like having a king i want a queen back <laughs> yeah look i'm the same and we won't really have a we're not gonna have a queen for ages either yeah for so what? long <laughs> like unless we'll be dead unless george is like oh no, yeah someone could Charlotte. yeah that'd be great you're in yeah um yeah, i i i wonder how i wonder how much of an like how, uh like how much is is charles gonna be involved in this process are they just gonna is it she's just like left him and just gonna be like yep 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 are we gonna start saying like what he actually likes to, I don't know, the jam he puts on his toast. I don't know. That was a bad example. I'm real nosy. I'm nosy as well. that's the point I'm making here. I want to know what he's spreading on his toast every morning. (laughs) I really don't. I don't. I don't care for him. Moving on. Uh, So... Friends of the podcast, frequent uh, mentions on the podcast, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have just created yet another ad that is just Chef's kiss. It's so good. So the ad basically follows uh, Ryan and Rob while they get their first colonoscopy, and the ad is to raise awareness for bowel cancer. And in the ad, it actually results in both of them having potentially life-saving polyps removed Mm -hmm. so crazy uh so the start of the ad it shows the two guys discussing a bet that they supposedly made in 2021 that rob would not be able to learn welsh (laughs) which is because they own a welsh football team if people remember from last episode Uh, so rob proves that he can speak welsh Ryan acknowledges that he has lost the bet and then we basically cut to Ryan undergoing his colonoscopy. Uh, so why, why do this? Why <laughs> film yourself having your colonoscopy? Uh, it's all to help raise awareness of bowel cancer and the process involved in a routine checkup that can basically save lives with early detection. Um, They both have such a strong voice and a a massive following. So we're pretty happy to see them using that voice for good and bringing a lot of attention to an important issue with their platform. Um, Absolutely, we are. And it's definitely good because they're, I feel like, uh, not that... They're aesthetically maybe not an every everyday blokey guy, but that's their attitude. They're everyday blokes and they're making this really normal and hopefully encouraging other everyday blokes to go get their colonoscopy done. It's just excellent work. It's amazing. And like completely unrelated to anything, their, what they do, like yeah. their jobs or anything. But I just feel like from a advertising perspective, like Ryan has... He he's, he's the king of advertising and absolutely and like for him to think to like take an issue that he obviously wants to bring attention to and like he's got the like kind of awareness to go like okay like Rob is now part of they have this joint brand together around their Wrexham football club so he's just like capitalizing on that kind of like the interest that people now have in the two of them as a duo to bring awareness to a really important health issue. Like it's, it's completely irrelevant and random, but also extremely makes sense and is just totally logical. And you're like, of course they're doing this together. I just love it. I love it too. I think they've got such a strong, like, like you said, they've got such a strong voice and a lot of fellas would just follow them and be like, Oh Like, yes. Yeah. Like, I I should, I should, I know I need to do that. I should, I should do that. Yeah. The amount of men that's like straight men that say that they have a crush on Ryan Reynolds, like, Ryan Reynolds is their ultimate guy. It just, it's awesome to see him. Like, he is someone that absolutely every dude can look up to. Mm -hmm. There are so many voices on the internet that you don't want men to look up to. He's is definitely one. And he, I'm I'm happy for every dude to be like <laughs> idolizing him. He's he just he's killing it. He's, he's crushing it. And 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 Rob is also crushing it. Absolutely. I mean, he's got a good partner. He does. <laughs> Story number five on our water cooler chat. Pantone debutes, a colour of fire. D- debu- de- boots. <laughs> Deboots. <laughs> de- <laughs> debut. The <laughs> 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 de- boots. <laughs> Story number five. Where'd you get the boots? <laughs> These boots Put, put them into the boot I, I make me laugh Please leave that in the episode I'm absolutely leaving that in <laughs> Story number five on our water cooler chat Pantene Of course you do Go get him out. Get out <laughs> I lost my headphones. Get them out, go. (laughs) I just wanted to make one about the booty. (laughs) Okay, thank you, I'm done. (laughs) Story number five on our water cooler chat. Pantane debuts. I was going to do it Don't do it again. (laughs) Keep it together, man. (laughs) Story number five on our water cooler (laughs) chat. (laughs) Stop saying that line. Just jump into the story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the <debuts, a laughs> color of biodiversity. So the color is inspired by the world's oldest pigment and was produced in support of the United Nations Biodiversity and World Biodiversity Forums as well as the 30 by 30 project that pledges to protect 30% of the world's land and oceans by 2030. So in partnership so Pantone went into partnership with a company called Tea Leaves and the shade they named the color the color of biodiversity is like Look, I'm going to call it salmon. Mm, They they call it bright pink. They call it a bright pink hue. It's like a a salmon-y version of millennial pink. Yeah, look, I feel that. Mm. So it is based on a healthy pink naturally formed. uh, Yeah, formed out of marine sedimentary rocks dating back to 1.1 billion years, which they have just discovered recently. Crazy. The partnership explores how to successfully choose biodiverse ingredients, highlighting how colour can play an important role to hinder perception and mood. I just, I, I don't, I don't, uh, do you feel like it, 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 it ex- highlights that? Uh, mm, no. <laughs> I, like I, a, like I don't understand how they can say a colour can like play an important role how to hinder like or like choose biodiverse ingredients like i I guess it's like uh probably because we're not used to seeing pink as a color associated with like nature like it says it's based on a color that forms around marine sedentary rocks so the ocean we don't really associate with pink rocks we don't really associate with pink and nature in general like I feel like it's a bit of a curveball mm-hmm. in that sense so yeah no it do- it doesn't for me but that's probably just because we've been conditioned to think nature is green pink is artificial yeah look you're right yeah i see that i really love the color though it's pretty color and i like the like the background that they presented on and there's like an art piece with like all different colored Pinks and greens and blues in the background, mm-hmm. and that feels more like nature. And it feels a bit more of like the div- ecosystem. Yeah, diverse kind of colours. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, it does. So the colour of biodiversity, as we said, is like a semi 70 <laughs> is that what I heard? I mean, it looks like chicken, <laughs> raw chicken. <laughs> yeah, let's power on. <laughs> The colour of biodiversity is a salmon color but a little bit more brighter as we have stated. The vibrant shade of pink underpins our ecosystem and the life that thrives within it. However, at the rate mankind is accelerating change, we are set to lose the vast amount of our natural world rapidly. That's really depressing. It is very sad to read. It, and again, like pink to me is kind of a joyous colour. It's a bit – It's a happy colour. Yeah, doesn't really suggest – a vast amount of our natural world being lost disappearing yeah Mm-mm. no it does not but hey they're bringing attention to it regardless so that's only a good thing ain't that the truth this far? uh while we're on the topic of pantone the color trends for spring summer 2023 are in and what a vibe they are yes indeedy they are so we this is associated with fashion week we i think we talked about it last yeah, I was going to say, Gosh, some of it yeah. feels like a little bit more familiar, like some of the colours I feel yeah. like we've spoken about I agree. recently, but the, I don't know when. i just, I feel like they haven't changed drastically. Oh, but I was going to say the same thing. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's, let's dive into them. So for the, uh, for the main spring, summer fashion week colour palette, we have very bold colours. We've got fiery red which is kind of like a it's a bright red but it's like a deep bright red yes. it's like a blood red it's yeah absolutely it's a blood red then we have beetroot purple which it's pink. is hot pink it is hot pink oh, that is like maybe it's maybe beetroot like no it's not, it's I, not I was even like beetroot juice yeah I was, that's what i was gonna say like is it the juice it's not really it's like or maybe oh you know the storks not the storks like but the 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 part of, that comes out of the beetroot that connects to the leaves. Yep. That bit's hot pink. It looks like a radish, like the radish stuff as well. Sure, it does look like a radish. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So yes. it's maybe the little stalk coming out of the top of the beetroot. So anyway, it's not beetroot. It's it is stalk hot pink. purple. <laughs> <laughs> stalk purple. That doesn't sound good either. Next we have – I don't know why. Like, Is purple the colour of stalk? Anyway – moving on uh next we have tangelo may, maybe i should just read the descriptions that pantone gave oh look that would make it a lot easier <laughs> let's go back to fiery red is not blood red it is a supercharged red tone signaling an energetic intensity my description was better uh purple is an emboldened fuchsia hue depicting the fruits of nature so it's not purple it's fuchsia yeah they're calling it fuchsia cheese Tangelo is a tangy, tasty vitamin-enriched orange, which <laughs> that feels accurate. That's it's yep. just an orange. If imagine the fruit. Uh, next we have peach pink, which is not going to lie, pretty much tangelo. Uh, it's a nurturing peach tone invite that invites you for a warm embrace. <laughs> it's not. It's just. It's <laughs> tangelo. <laughs> no, tangelo is like the RGB. Color and <laughs> yeah. pink is just the CMYK version. It's yes, just, it is. it's not peach, it's orange. It's just a kind of faded out orange. It's, it's an orange with a tinge of pink in it. I don't know who's naming these. Have they ever seen colors? I mean, it'd be hard. How many colors is pink pee, do they have? Like fiery red, sure. Tangelo, absolutely. Beetroot purple, no. It's like hot pink. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Empire Yellow is next, which is a luminescent yellow that radiates joyfulness. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice yellow. It's per, it's not like it's not yellow yellow. I wouldn't say it's luminescent. It's not like a smack you over the head yellow. It's more of like it's all almost mustard. Is like it, it's just it's a bit subdued. Yeah, it's a green yellow. It yeah. It's got it's almost like it's like a tennis ball yellow or green. It's like tennis ball yellow. Tennis ball color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next we have Crystal Rose, which is a clear pink, conveying modern romance. Don't know what makes it clear, but it's it's a pale pink. It's a millennial pink. <laughs> next we have Classic Green. Classic Green. I like this one. Mm. This is a sexy green. It is a nourishing green, imbued with health giving qualities. I don't know what's healthy about it. It looks very unnatural. <laughs> it's it's like a neon. If my spinach looks like that, I'm going to be very worried. <laughs> It's like a neon green, but not it's like no. It's got the properties of a neon, but like to me, neon green is almost yellow. This is like the greenest green that ever greened.
1: It's Interesting. So green.
0: Anyway, I'm if I'm a big fan. Next up is Lovebird, which is an exotic green with a lively character. Again, it is like the CMYK version of the RGB colour next to it. Absolutely. It's just it's just like a a lightish green. It looks like dark poo green. Duck poo? baby poo maybe i don't know what either of those things look like um it's green it's it's green it's green (laughs) uh next up is blue perennial a stand a standout blue (laughs) i know why you're laughing it's a different word we're not we're moving on it's a standout blue that spikes spikes the palette (laughs) <laughs> Look, it it doesn't do that to the palette, in my opinion. It's very dull. It's quite, yeah, it's more a, a, a subdued color out of that I palette. I like thought they might have done like the the electric blue that like that kind of matches the classic green. You know how you, mm, there's yeah, been a lot yeah. of that blue lately? Yeah, absolutely. But no, this one is like almost, almost mauve. Oh, what a terrible <laughs> word. No, it's not almost mauve. It's almost violet is the color I'm going for. It's not purple. But violet is a blue-purple. It's, that is not even close. That's a blue-gray. It's a blue-gray purple. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nice color. I'd get that as an nail polish. And <laughs> the last color is uh, Summer Song. <laughs> why isn't it bright if it's summer? And why is it the, like, oh, no, lovebird was very vague as well. Anyway, Summer Song is a clean blue tone that expresses relaxation and tranquility. I'll give them that. That one's accurate. Mm. It's a very, it's a sky... Uh, it's like a grayish sky blue. It's just a blue. It's a nice blue. Good it job. It is a nice blue. Kind of grayish. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so those are the the New York Fashion Week colors, the color palette, um, and then you also have the Spring Summer twenty twenty three core classics. So they Pantone does this where they have their like their palette for the the Fashion Week which is kind of, it's both inspiring and inspired by the runway. So you can kind of expect to see those colours on the runway. I Look, you're definitely going to see beetroot purple because that looks like Valentino's pink. It does. And their pink is, it's pinking up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. Not going to use that as a verb ever again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, but it's—it's it's, their pink is very hot pink, so... Correct. Good job, Pantone. You got that one right. P- it probably helps that they developed that colour with Valentino. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, I, th- well, I mean, P- uh, Valentino, I think they, like, match. have used the pink and now yeah, they've okay. got their Pantone colour match. But yeah, right. Um, which is named after the creative director mm-hmm. of Valentino, whose mm-hmm. name escapes me. It starts with a P. P- Pierre Paolo, I think is his first name. I can't remember his last name. Anyway, Irrelevant. Um, for the, the core classics, we have skylight, which is a pure and watery cleansing aqua. Yeah. It's again, sky blue. We have vanilla cream, which is a soft and delicious creamy tone. It's soft pink. I'd call that beige. It's a pinky beige. Mm. Pinky, nudie beige. Next up, we have gray lilac, a dreamy and ethereal lilac infused gray. (laughs) <laughs> which is yeah i'll give him that it's gray it's they're, they're putting a lot of sprinkle sprinkles on that it's gray it's very gray next we have leek green which is my favorite out of this palette. it's a ve- <laughs> <laughs> have they spelt this wrong <laughs> or is that a word a vegetal <laughs> vegetal is that like <laughs> is that a word that relates to vegetation i have n- <laughs> never heard the phrase vegetal is that like, because it's, it's it's not that different from, like, say, sartorial, which is like relating oh, it, it's to a word tailoring. So is it relating to vegetation? Please. Relating to plants, yes. Here a Vegetal aroma. Vegetal. It sounds wrong. <laughs> anyway, it's a vegetal. <laughs> danny has gone. It's a vegetal green with a subtle, subtle flavor blend of a flavor. That makes it so much worse. It's, it's sage green. It's like a sagey, khaki-ish green is what it is. It's not vegetal. <laughs> a terrible word. It, it is. It's, it's not good. It's also spelt weird. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to poll the listeners. Have you ever heard the phrase vegetal? It's spelt V-E-G-E-T-A-L, vegetal. I hope i'm saying it right (laughs) i'm not gonna say it any other way (laughs) okay the last color this is great i hope this people are enjoying this the last color is macchiato which is a delectable brown with a light layer of foam i mean i look like a macchiato at the moment yeah yeah you've 50 shades of brown over there yes i am Uh, I I should, I should do this professionally. (laughs) I really enjoy describing colours. So, Lytris? Oh, Leitris Eisman. I really apologise if I'm saying that wrong. Lytris Eisman who is the executive director of the institution, as in the Pantone Colour Institution, has said colours for spring-summer 2023 are recalibrated for the new era we are entering. Blending escapism with reality, wholesomeness and joy, we embrace the exploration of extreme contrast in mood and colour. There is utility and basicness to this season's colour story, while at the same time there is an uplifting, vital sense of play that comes through. I just feel like this sounds very familiar to the last one we read about... I'm pretty sure the last time we read it was like when we're coming out of lockdowns and everything. So the colors were bright and they're like right. big sparks joy as we are yeah. venturing out of blah blah blah. Totally sounds very familiar. It does. I mean, I remember like these colors are also very similar to last year's. I don't mm-hmm. have last year's in front of me, but I remember the, the there was a green. The core classics were greys, beiges. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there was quite as much variety, but it was greys and beiges, mm-hmm. uh, beige, be- beiges, but. Be- Beige, beiges, beige colors, beige colors. It's really hard to pluralize beige. Um, and yeah, in the fashion week palette, we had some really vibrant colors as mm-hmm. well. So it does feel very familiar. Um, but I guess fashion evolves quickly, but not so quickly that you would expect a like entirely different palette. Yeah, that's true. I kind of like expect the same colors every season, not like every season, but like throughout the year, they just keep popping up. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, are you expected to filter down like stuff that we see at fashion week is not going to filter down to like yeah, that's regular right. retail stores straight away? No. You are correct. Moving on. Starbucks has jumped on board their NFT train. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> so Starbucks have launched a new NFT loyalty program called Starbucks Odyssey. The new program is centered around a collection of Starbucks digital NFT tokens. <clears throat> So, members of the new program are able to, they're either able to collect or buy an NFT stamp. And as you collect each each time you reach a milestone, different levels of rewards will be available to the consumers. So, like, you can get invited to real world events held at Starbucks, Riziri reserves, rotisseries. <laughs> <laughs> roasteries? It's not a chicken. <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh, get your shit together. Oh, you wrote this too. <laughs> I did. I just read things and not say things. properly. Like <laughs> the, My- the Starbucks to Costa Rica one. <laughs> Have they consider getting into chicken. <laughs> I mean, people rotate in and out of there pretty quick. Never know. It could just be a play on it. Anyway, digital events or the likes of a trip to Costa Rica to see how the company roasts its beans. I want that one. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that one. It would be fun. Mm. So the program gets consumers to engage in online quizzes and games or as Starbucks are calling it, journeys on a dedicated website to earn journey stamps. Each NFT on offer offers its own rarity, which will be valued by the company. The rarer the stamp, the more points the consumer will receive. I just, how, how, how do they decipher what is rare and what isn't rare? I feel like all NFTs are pretty rare anyway. I mean, it depends. Like... I don't know the um the when we were talking about the NF TIFFs yep. from Tiffany they had yep. like the cyberpunk? Yes. They're like a collection of like like a limited edition collection mm-hmm. so maybe it's like a similar thing yeah, like, cr- they like yeah. they kind of foster a f- like false kind of uh scarcity by just being like here's a limited edition. Yeah, you're right. It could be. Could be. Um, There is also the option for consumers to trade their stamps with fellow members, (coughs) which is a pretty cool little thing. But also why would you want to trade if you get something real rare or, Mm. like, if you're working your way up to get these things? Anyway, Mm. um, what do you think of this little promo to get consumers to join the membership? Like, if they use it in the sense of, like, like they said that they get users to do quizzes or, Mm. like, online little journeys. So if they were to really move this in the direction they wanted to, they could easily get, like users to can like do surveys and everything and offer this nft mm-hmm. as a thing for that because yeah it's hard for like some consumers would just never leave a review otherwise yeah. and this is kind of an incentive yeah do you think that like consumers would be more inclined to use this I mean <clears throat> like yeah I'm I'm it's it, it's just a loyalty program mm-hmm. without like like it's not that different to a regular loyalty program I also like the idea that you Like it says you can like to buy or collect NFTs. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in buying one, but if I can get one for free by doing a survey, I'll have an NFT. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to get people like me involved. Yeah, absolutely it is. And like the, there's also like, if you want to buy into NFTs, like obviously there's the monetary benefit of like selling them. But apart from that, you just kind of buy, it's art. You're Mm -hmm. buying into the idea of something. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I'm not. I I'm ga- I'm not there yet. <laughs> I don't. Re- I'd like. I don't personally like art that's not like uh, nice to look at or like I can't physically <clears throat> touch it. Yeah. Like I just. I'm. Um, I'm. I like art that looks nice. Anyway. Uh. So the this is good for me because the if you collect the do this loyalty program, you can get like a trip to Costa Rica or mm-hmm. something like. That's a good way to incentivize me to get into NFTs. Absolutely. And I guess you don't really need to think about it either. Yeah. So yeah, like exactly. A lot of people don't get on board something because they have no idea how to yeah. do it. But if it's like kind of, I know they're, like, they're not forcing it upon you, but they're guiding you along yeah. the NFT journey and they're providing you with these things. So it's going to make it a lot more like easier for you to be like, oh, okay, I'm happy to do this. 100%. Yeah, so I'm here for that in that sense. Yeah, so that kind of like the idea for Starbucks to enter into the world of Web3 kind of makes sense for the company like to just really take uh, advantage of the emergency, uh, emergency, (laughs) emerging technologies (laughs) and making them more approachable and like easy for consumers to access. Yeah, Which I agree, like like I just said, NFTs, (laughs) that would be mind boggling for a lot of people. Yeah. And hey, like imagine if you can one day purchase your coffee with an nft kind of like how you know how some people say like it's easier to pay for something with a card than it is with cash because card is it's a piece of mm-hmm. plastic and cash is like oh that's actually money yep same yeah. thing because starbucks coffees are very expensive and mm. so i don't want to spend my cash on them but i'd probably be okay like here have my nft <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and plus you didn't buy that NFT, so it's kind yeah, of like I, I collected it. it exactly. It's a free one here for that. So, do you think it's just a marketing stunt to kind of gain more traction to um, Starbucks, or are they actually going to pursue it properly and make it work for consumers? What do you reckon? I reckon it's not just a marketing stunt because, like, the I think brand like businesses are just realizing that they ha- like they have no choice but to embrace NFTs because mm-hmm. that's what's the, the direction what's that life is going. So. I think they're just trying to be early adopters just in case it blows up. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be the guys left behind where everyone's like, what's cash? And they're like, here's an NFT. (laughs) Time will tell. Time will tell. So for our last story, we came across a very interesting article this week. So something that we hadn't really considered until it was brought to our attention, but we're definitely unintentionally guilty of doing this, is that Letters and typography and fonts are gendered and yeah, we just, we're not, we, we, we weren't across this. Mm-mm, not at all. So for our listeners, have you ever kind of described a typeface to your client? If you, if you're a designer, Have you ever described a font as feminine or masculine? Because we definitely have. Absolutely. I am so guilty of this. I have called a typeface feminine because of the soft curves and the form of the letter marks Make I am guilty. And definitely like in terms of the audience, you're always kind of tailoring that Mm -hmm. language that you're using towards your client's audience. Yep, absolutely. And same with, uh, you know, like an, an icon set. They can, you know, always have this accidentally sexist undertone when we're tailoring them. So if you're creating an icon and it has straight and sharp edges and corners uh, because it has a masculine feel, or if you've created an icon that's kind of smoother with like smoothed out corners because it you think it appears more feminine, that's playing into that kind of binary of gender as well. So it's not just the not just the fonts, but it's also like the graphics and the icons and the illustrations that we're putting together as well. Mm-hmm. So studies have shown that we make consistent judgments about whether a typeface is mas- masculine or feminine in, you know, according to those studies, masculine typography has a square or geometric form with hard corners and edges and is emphatically, emphatically either blunt or spiky. fonts are also considered masculine as it's a bold type, uh, as is bold type and capitals Feminine typography favors slim lines, curling or flowing shapes with a lot of ornamentation and embellishment and slanted letters, as in italics. Uh, Sans serif, cursive and script fonts are seen as feminine, as are lowercase letters. Mm -hmm. Not always, there's kind of some variation. There are sans serif fonts that are considered masculine and Mm -hmm. serif fonts that are considered feminine, but in general, like, ornamentation flourishes, curves, that's considered feminine, and more like utilitarian, functional fonts are considered masculine. Mm So in uh, 1892, Mm -hmm. this has a long history. (laughs) A massive history, (laughs) like crazy. So crazy. And and like, of course, of course, like this just didn't show up. The gender, like the sexist typography is of course rooting back to like original typesetting and like, Mm. oh yeah, absolutely. Printing from the 19th century so in 1892 theodore low gave a talk at a printer's convention which obviously was an entirely masculine industry in 1892 um and the talk was later published as masculine printing and in that he notes oh, this i don't even want to say this quote i call printing masculine that is noticeable for its readability for its strength and absence of useless ornament I call feminine all printing that is noticeable for its delicacy and for the weakness that always accompanies delicacy, as well as for its profusion of ornamentation. Gross. I want to vomit. <laughs> it's, it's foul. It's like, it, it's just, it's the most 1892 quote mm-hmm. you could imagine. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's that. This is the root of the language we use for typo- typography now. So it's crazy. We really need to unpack that. Mm hmm. But it's, it's so bizarre when you think about how often we use those words masculine and feminine in design thinking and conversation. So Josie Young wrote about it in her post uh, gendered language in design, where a creative director evoked how a logo is too masculine, which happens so often. If you think of it this way, most of us have, most of us, we have been raised in a binary world of blues and pinks. So when it comes to providing a rationale for our creative, we tend to fall into the familiar patterns and familiar language that we have become accustomed to. So these familiar patterns and language are not favorable, <coughs> and really does nothing for our creative when we put into when we put it into perspective. The masculine feminine binary is really damaging our work because in a patriarchy, masculinity is considered superior to femininity. But this, like this point of the the blues and the pinks, is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. This article we re- uh, the article that we read was on uh, it's nice that, um, and it talked about how the the binary of like blue is boy, pink is girl yep. mm-hmm. because like pink. pink is feminine and soft and blue is strong and masculine didn't exist. Like in the 20th century, that came, that became the, the narrative that, you know, toy manufacturers yeah. and in fashion and everyone fashion kind of were the ones that were pushed to the most. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, it was the opposite. hmm blue was seen as like the the like which it, some of the connotations still exist the calm the like nature and nurturing and that sort of stuff but it was like a very wishy-washy and mm-hmm. and, and so that was considered feminine yep. and pink was seen as just bold and strong and like you know it's a making a statement and therefore it was masculine so it's insane that we're now like we boys must not have pink <laughs> <laughs> when it was the opposite it before. absolutely it makes no sense and it no it, sense they just jumped on board and were like oh let's just flip it yeah. And that's why we have come so accustomed to, oh, girl's pink, yeah. boy's blue. It's, and because it's engraved in our subconscious. Absolutely. So Sigmund Freud did a lot of studies <clears throat> on how a brain can psychoanalyze something based on our subconscious. In certain cases, the brain will know if a typeface is masculine and which script typeface is signaling individuality. Our subconscious automatically knows that type with ornaments are luxury, that thin script letters um, reflect the delicate nature of a woman. It happens almost daily, not intentionally, but absolutely there are times where you can see a brand and automatically you know that's a brand for women or it's a brand run by a woman um, just because of the colour and the typeface association. Like absolutely that that exists, that's subconscious. This equals masculine, this equals feminine. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's innate. I don't think that's like... Not that babies can comprehend, but if babies could comprehend things, (laughs) they would not say, you know, like ornamental fonts are feminine, functional fonts are masculine. That, like, we think that subconsciously because it's just been so ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. Like, even when they, like, this article we read reference studies where the, like, even the, the study, the test that they're doing to kind of figure out if people have these biases is like, even the study is flawed because they're using a control and in their language around like what's the control font is like showing gender biases. Mm-hmm. So how can you, you know, like if you show someone a, a logo some or, or, or a font, someone, even a non-designer, just someone is going to be able to have come to their own conclusions about who it's meant for. And they might use those words themselves. Like it's really masculine, but that's not because it is like, it's not inherently masculine. It's just because they know, oh, I've seen that font used for, I don't know, men's Gillette mm-hmm. razors yep. and therefore it, it's a masculine font. Yep. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this thing that feeds into itself. Cause how do you break the cycle when it, like, that's what we're, what we're told to think. Yeah, that's right. And I feel like in, like when you put it into another case, like, you know, a lot of women don't go to the gym. Mm. And a lot of that is because of the branding. Like yeah. you look at the branding, it is so strong, it is yeah. bold, and it is tailored. Yeah, for for, for guys. Yeah, and I feel like that. Like in our subconscious, women are like, oh, I don't want to go there because there's gonna yeah. be all these guys there because that's a guys' gym. Yeah. Whereas then you see the Fernwoods. Yeah. Of the like gym world, and the, the women are like, oh, I'll go there because it's more fem. Like it's more feminine. It's more approachable for a lady. Like yeah. Even in those circumstances, our subconscious is automatically thinking, oh, I can't go there because, like, I won't fit in there. Like, it is absolutely bizarre that that is a common trait, like, trope of our brain. Yeah. And I see it, like, um, often there'll be, like, examples. I see it on TikTok and things where someone comes out with a product that's very heavily targeting one gender. Mm -hmm. uh, And, it, like, I saw one that was – I think it it was like, um, makeup products for men, Yep. but it was kind of, um, like concealer and things like just very, it was, it wasn't, you know, um, lots of eyeshadow and stuff like that. It was just makeup for concealing and, and kind of the idea that you're just covering the like imperfections you want to cover, but still looking like yourself, but you're not meant to look like you're wearing makeup. Yep. And the, the, um, packaging and the marketing was very, very, like it was targeting men. Like this is, um, you know, like a a form of self-care. This is for guys. It, I can't remember the name of the product, but it was, it was like makeup for men. Like, you know, like it, it was like in the title, they're saying this is for men. And like, there were people in the comments, like stitching it and saying, Oh this is ridiculous. It's the same product as the fi- like the makeup that's targeting everyone else. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to why does everything need a gender? And it's like actually I ag- I agree with the people that are doing this marketing because uh just because one like well you know there are plenty of men and and non-binary people who are totally fine with using makeup and that's great power to them. But there are a lot of guys who would just absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. refuse even if they have some insecurities that they want to cover up, and and you know they they would feel better about themselves if they if they use this product, but they won't touch it because it's like it's a it's marketed towards women. Mm-hmm. Like makes- if I'm a dude, I'm not gonna feel confident walking into Mecca. Every every single picture, every single like uh, model mm-hmm. is a woman. Yep. Like you maybe see one man, and it's like the. the Token male model, mm-hmm. but everyone like the majority of the staff are females. Like the colors aren't colors that we associate with masculinity. The fonts aren't associated with masculinity. So all this stuff that we're talking about in this segment, like it's like that's what's being thrown in someone's face. So if they need the antidote to that in order to get in order to like buy that product then I don't think we need to tease them for that. Like, I don't think we need to be like, oh, that's stupid that you're actually buying into that because it's like, well, realistically, those parameters have been set on people for their entire life Mm -hmm. and decades beforehand. You can't expect someone to just like be the like one to break that mm. it's kind of like the go-to stuff too like yeah. go-to would probably like the normal like the pink range or the peach range would yeah. be fine for males to use but they've gone yeah. and created a bro to because yeah. they needed to market something that would appeal more to men than yeah. what their go-to would yeah and i feel like that's probably why i in i think it was a couple episodes ago, episodes ago we uh talked about the couple that were making a new skincare brand oh yeah um idris elba and yeah Sabrina elba. and it, it makes sense that that the, so the colour was a grey? Yeah, it was grey. That makes so much sense now when yeah. you put it into this kind of perspective. Yeah, It is grey to not be genderized, but to be available for all genders and yep. then have the male and female like poster models up there yeah. like – that makes so much more sense now. And like when you think about it, like through the subconscious, like that is just not something I would never have thought about. No. But when you put it, when you relate this back, I'm like, oh my God, it makes sense. Like I am a feminist 100%. Like I'm all about kind of uplifting everyone and like breaking down those gender norms. Like it should be 100% fine for a guy to buy makeup, but it's not on here. It's not on just like a random guy to be the one to break through those mm-hmm. all those marketing and and socialization tech, tactics that have been thrust upon him his entire life it's not his job to break through that and in the same way that you know I like I remember once seeing a an ad that was about uh, men's mental health and it was uh, I can't, like I can't remember it specifically but it was like inside it, it was written in the most blokey language you've ever seen the most like Australian blokey language. And I I like commented on it to my brother and I was like, why, like, why do they have to speak like that? They're reinforcing this, like at like the, the really blokey attitude of like, you know, that, that leads to men having to just repress their feelings and, and shattering their mental health and not speaking about their mental health. I'm like, why are they reinforcing that by using that language to try and help men's mental health? And my brother pointed out, he was like, well, do you really think the opposite would work? Like if we're, if we're talking to those men who are like those really blokey guys who haven't been encouraged to speak about their mental health, if we then try and use um, like a mental health approach that's not accessible to him, that's not targeting him, like that's not going to work. It's better to speak to him in a way that he's comfortable speaking, mm-hmm. even if it's like part of that language that we know contributes ultimately to that. And I was just like, well, you've just blown my mind. Like, it's just, it's it's good to acknowledge that these like very sexist, and, and like gendered uh, like language and colors and typography is used because then we can like recognize when we need to break away from that. Like you see like freaking – pen brands will market to women and men and mm-hmm. and razor brands will market to women and men and the women's one is more expensive and not as good quality and, and all the of that. men's razors are the best. Yeah, like those situations are completely stupid and we should absolutely forget all of that bullshit about gender. Like, no, just like forget about it. It's yeah. a razor. But when it comes to other things where like gender is just so, like there's no gender in a pen, but there is absolutely gender put upon like makeup and, and typography and things like that. I think it's good if we can like recognize these, These situations and be like, no, we're pushing it back against that. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Bit bit of a rant to end it off. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that was a very interesting article to read and to just think about something that I hadn't thought about before. Absolutely. I'm going to definitely consider the way I speak about my my creative that I am putting out. Um, and just, I don't know, use alternate words that really, I think would be more impactful in the long run anyway. Absolutely. It, it'll make us stop and think and put a bit more effort into those words, but I think it'll be absolutely right. It'll be worth it. Absolutely. It will. So that kind of wraps up our whole water cooler chat this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did you guys find it? What do you think about Adobe and Figma? Is it going to go through? Uh, what about the marketing? Buzzy, fuzzy, buzzies. (laughs) (laughs) Are they your cup of tea or is that absolutely a non-negotiable, no fly should be in marketing? Yeah, no flies in my drink, thank you. Or have you unintentionally been genderizing your creative typography or colours? Let us know and stay tuned. Oh wait, let us know (laughs) and follow us on Insta and the TikTok. And the TikTok, I did it again. (laughs) The TikTok. And the TikTok. (laughs) And at WCN Pod. Stay tuned guys for whatever comes next. Bye. Bye.